What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and with us as always is Ryan, the Statless Meadows. What's up, Ryan? I'm doing okay. Starting to fight this uh, yearly head cold slash sinus infection uh, with the weather change, so... Things are looking up, right? They're only going to go downhill from here for me, medically. <laughs> so so maybe I just introduced you as Ryan the Stuffy Meadows. <laughs> <laughs> if I sound it, I apologize. It's only getting worse. Well, you sound terrible, but that's normal. So um, <laughs> we will keep it rolling. Um, it's been a good week so far for, uh, for Grizz Nation. No, honestly, it, it's been a, a good start. It is what I predicted. We would win the first two games and lose to the Lakers. We are recording this. Um, it, it's late. Uh, we're about midway, close to midway through the Lakers game. So uh, I don't want to, you know, it's it's going to be back and forth, right? I would pick that the Grizzlies would lose, judging by the first good bit of this. Um, so that's how I'm going to preface everything is I, I consider this being a loss. If they end up coming back, and it's a win, then great. We're 3-0 as Ryan predicted, but I don't know if that's happening by the way we've played so far. But uh, but let's get into a little bit. If you didn't check out my, my podcast, um, I guess a special midweek one, I'm going to keep doing that. So we're obviously going to have games throughout the middle of the week. Whenever we have a break at some point before the next set of games or a day in between, uh, sometime on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I'm going to try to bring us a, uh, to kind of recapture you know a little bit of what happened that week so that what that way we're not going so far monday to monday and missing so so much but uh but this week i put it out on a thursday uh and we were just coming off of that big Cavs win and kind of set up a little bit of the clippers game talking about matchups as well as this lakers game so let's get into this next week we have games on wednesday and thursday so probably I will get something to you on Friday. So if you check out the feed, I will have some kind of a some kind of podcast uh, talking about the Trailblazers game as well as the Warriors. So we'll be back to back on those, and the Grizzlies will then be done with their four game road trip, two back to backs. So thankfully and hopefully, we have a winning record by that point. So uh, Ryan, let's go ahead and get into it right now. Uh, but before Sorry, I'm going to stop us real quick. If you haven't checked out the Leeds Podcast Network, go ahead and do it now. It's a lot of fun. Ryan and I, are we have our show, Free Basketball, on Mondays. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a lot of fun. We, we're trying to enter, you know, bring in some, some betting, which we're bringing as well. And I'll talk a little bit about what I've been betting on lately uh, in this podcast. But go check it out. Mondays, that's me and Ryan's show. It's a lot of fun. Cody's on there sometimes. And Cody and I had a really fun episode Friday this past week. So go check out the Leeds Podcast Network. 
go to Friday, click on, I think it was NBA 75 plus uh, the top 10 point guards of all time. Well, the first five minutes are the best. That's all you need to hear. If you want to listen to the rest of the show, great. But mainly the first five minutes where me and Cody are just trashing Ryan. That's that's really what it, that it's you completely disrespectful. Just it disrespect. Great. Yeah, a lot of fun. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, with all that out of the way now. Let's go ahead and go back a little bit. Ryan, you haven't had a chance to talk about the Cavs game. It was a 132-121 win for the Grizzlies at home. It was a big night for John Morant. What are your thoughts on that game overall? I was completely and way off as you could possibly be on how the game would be played. Uh, I thought with the Cavs starting three guys seven foot and taller <laughs> that it wouldn't be as up and down as it was. Um, and I was completely off about that because I was on that total under 216 and it went over by like 40 something points. It right. feels like. Uh, so I was way off on how the style of that game was going to be played. But what stood out was the Grizzlies are going to hashtag LTMF. And <laughs> the difference this year is that they're making those MFers so far. Uh, and Jaw is just a monster going to the rim. Um, and so even with three seven-footers standing around there in the paint waiting for him, no one could stop him still. So he's had – it was an incredible start to the season for him, and he looks to be making a run at a potential first all-star appearance in year three. Woo-wee! baby i like it i said mark my words it will be an mvp sorry mvp that's just what they were they were chanting it will be an all-star season for him <laughs> let's not go crazy i know they were saying mvp i was just thinking that i was i was reading some of my notes not mvp season it will be mvp for him best season so far but it will be an all-star season in my opinion um, and it was a great game overall. If you want to hear my thoughts on it, uh, go check out the, the last show, last episode, as I got dig deep into that and break down the, the full box score. Also, if you have stuff you want to hear, I have my friends trying to tell me what sucks and what's good. Um, so feel free share, hit up Grizz lead. You can, you can always, uh, DM me or just, Tweet me, whatever you want. I'm at Daniel Greer, but I'll be more than happy to kind of adjust as needed. So if you have something you like or don't like, please share. Uh, but go back and hear that now. But go ahead and let's go to the Clippers game. There was, you know, they're on a back-to-back now. They're still in the Staples Center playing the Lakers as we speak. 120 to 114 Grizzlies win and another good game out of Jaw. But also Jaron. Jaron did have 21 points, seven rebounds. Steven Adams played well at 17 points, nine rebounds, five assists. I'll hit on that in a few minutes. 19.6 rebounds, two assists for Desmond Bain. And DeAnthony Melton, 22 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. Both of those guys, Bain and Melton, went hit four three-pointers. It was great to see that. The bench unit. 
nothing really too crazy out of them. Um, the only thing that me and Ryan had talked about, there's no, you know, there's no dynamic player on the, on the second unit. And eventually we're going to see at some point, whether it's Melton or if it's going to be Bain, one of them will come off the bench once uh, knuckle knucklehead gets back. What's his name? Dylan. Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Sorry. I was just screwing with you. Uh, Dylan Brooks is uh, he'll be back eventually and he'll take over a starting role. So uh, our old knucklehead will be back. And um, I imagine one of them will go and they will be the dynamic player. So uh, Ryan, go ahead and give me your thoughts on that big Clippers win. Uh, to me, it's a tale of two halves. And the first half was complacency and happy with shooting the open three that was given to them. And then the second half was, okay, let's get back to our bread and butter that's been for the past two years, and that's dominating the paint. Um, and the perfect example of this is Ja, right? He goes two for seven in the first half from three. Doesn't take a, a three the rest of the game, thank God. Starts attacking boo-boo Eric Bledsoe and whichever, whoever was switched out onto him. And finished the boo-boo? game... T- boo-boo eric bledsoe you heard it here first that's his nickname because he's trash he's boo-boo i don't care what his scoring numbers are he's terrible uh but he finishes the game 10 for 19 from the field so if you just take away the threes this guy's eight for 12 okay and so look he's gonna shoot a couple of them The problem is, as the season gets going, is he going to become more and more complacent as he gets more and more tired? Like, it takes a lot out of you to do this for 82 games to consistently attack the rim and have bodies in front of you. So this is kind of what we're going to see here. We know that he's going to shoot 60-plus percent around the rim. The real thing is if this all-star season that I'm talking about with Jaw is going to come to fruition is – if he's going to be complacent with the outside shot or is he going to sprinkle that in with his attack going forward and he starts actually knocking a couple so he actually brings some bodies out to him so to me it was a tale of two halves um and it still was close late and triple j hashtag ltmf (laughs) bailed him out nice drive by ja ja finds triple j hits the three to seal the game. So, and then I cannot mention, I can't not mention double negative there. Uh, Desmond Baines clutch um, worst shot in basketball from the corner that went in somehow. Uh, So two huge shots by two of our younger players, uh, starter players of the core. So very encouraging game. I really thought after watching the first half that this was not going to go well because it was, there it was a back and forth three-point shooting contest and last year the clippers were the number one three-point shooting team in the league and i believe i tweeted that like good luck getting into a three-point shooting contest with the clippers and the grizzlies went to the paint dominated them in the paint and ended up winning the three-point battle at the end of the game so is it a case of it's early in the season for the clippers and caught them the Grizzlies caught them on a good night when their threes weren't falling or is this the new look Clippers this year where the threes aren't their ally either way it is a great statement win for the Grizz because the Clippers don't want to start 0-2 and yeah. that was shown by their effort and the game that Paul George had so to go in there and win 
I think is a great start. So we'll see what happens at the outcome here at the Lakers, but I predicted three and oh, I don't care how slow they start tonight, which is something that I predicted with you, you know, yesterday that they would start slow, but I could see them coming back and making this tight with the Lakers um, and pulling out and starting this thing three and oh. Wow. I, I would be ecstatic. Um, there's so many other words. Like I'm on a high right now with, with my sports and the Braves are going to the world series. I'm, I'm a baseball guy. I I played a long time. Um, and that was, that was a thrill for me. The Grizzlies topped it off. They got a big win. If they could win this against the Lakers and start three, and oh, I, I, I don't know what cloud I'd be on but I would be way up there. But I do have to ask you a few things, and we'll go back and forth on this, but I I have to bring something to the people. The people need the truth, Ryan. I need this a true or false. Simple as that. I don't need anything else out of you. I need, is this statement from you true or false? The Grizz are about to get their doors blown off by the Clippers. That is true. You hear that, people? You hear it? He's a fake. He's a fraud. Look, you have to look at the context of it as well. Uh, (laughs) The Clippers just went on a huge run. We're up 15 points, and the Grizzlies are settling for threes. So it felt like, okay, is this just what we're going to do? We're just going to keep throwing up threes. Uh, and so it's just like, all right, here we go. Clippers regression, one to go, one and one, don't want to start 0 and 2. Grizzlies look like they're complacent, maybe packing it in early for the Lakers, you know, Sunday night. Um, so yeah, I did say that at the beginning because it was a three point shooting contest and the Grizzlies were not shooting it well to start. Yeah, no, I uh, just had to mess with you because um, I think I said some choice comments during that entire text session back and forth. Uh, but something I do want to hit on is you talked about that uh, Clippers game being um, a little bit of, of two different halves. <clears throat> and something I think you actually mentioned is that the way the rotations went in the first half using the the second unit to the – uh, second half it was night and day and so if you if you'll go ahead and hit on that i i know um and, and the people can't see this ryan just lost the bet um he went the under on the first half it did not go the under so he's he's a little discombobulated at the moment but ryan i want you to speak on that because i think that was a good point the different rotations and how that maybe taylor jenkins is doing um, it do, did it differently just, just in that one game in the, in the Clippers game and probably how it's going to go in the future. So obviously with Dylan Brooks, it pushes Melton um, or Bain. I assume we, I, I think we can safely assume that's going to be Melton um, to the bench. And he's the one that gives kind of the bench scoring pop. Right. So with Melton in the starting lineup first half, which is part of that big Clippers run, uh, it was the best score on the floor was Kyle Anderson. Like it was Brandon Clark, John Conchar, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, and Zaire Williams. And it was basically Kyle Kyle Anderson had to go one-on-one, I believe. Um, I think I've got that lineup right anyways. But 
that stretch was awful. There was no offense. Uh, there was trying on defense, uh, but they're getting killed by Isaiah Hartenstein, like <laughs> right. Hartenstein. I, I think it's Stein. But, and then the second half, Jenkins adjusted and took Triple J and someone else. Melton? No. Is Melton or Bain? I can't remember. I don't know if it's because it's foul trouble to Bain, uh, but it was one of those two, I believe, that he pulled two minutes, two or three minutes early than what they had started with um, their typical playtime. So he started to uh, stagger it to where there was right. never two or more of those off the court where that full bench unit is playing completely together. And that basically is what saved the game. That and they actually jot a side attack. They started to go more power to Steven Adams when the Clippers went small, trying to be cute. Um, and that's what saved the game. Cause that bench, that five bench unit did not play together again. The rest of that game against the Clippers, we probably see it again. I'm not sure who against until Dylan comes back, but I don't know if he's going to, I would assume Jenkins is going to continue to stagger like that. I hope we don't see that full five man bench unit again because it was awful. Yeah. Uh, but that was a huge adjustment in the second half that kind of kept it going because Jaw runs, you know, his seven or eight minutes um, or eight to 10 minutes. And then, you know, Triple J kind of comes out at this seven or eight minute mark and then doesn't come back, you know, a little earlier before Jaw. But Triple J was coming back when Jaw was going out. So it was a good placeholder to kind of keep the level up, at least on offense, because it just didn't have to be a zero on offense. And that first half bench unit is a zero. It's a complete zero. Yeah. I agree. So pretty much what, what Ryan's saying is, you know, staggering, you know, our better offensive players when we're trying to get some, you know, some rest for our, you know, our, our starters, we don't have to just go five out five in, you know, direct switch. Let's go ahead and, you know, let's hit it real, real hard. Everybody go out at one time, everybody come in at one time Um, or even just, you know, taking out a couple people like, it makes sense if we're able to bring in some starters and I'll and, and intertwine some defensive guy or, or some second unit guys and then and then switch them. Like there should be no more than three bench unit people playing at one time. Like they for a couple minutes, maybe you know you have four, but five full bench players should not be so. I know what Ja Ja likes to do is you know play pretty much the whole first quarter and he ends up playing most of the third quarter as well so he likes to play the full quarter and then he gets his rest early in the in the second quarter in the fourth quarter and they've been bringing jaron back in that time and then you have you know tyus coming in as the point guard but even doing melton and bain running a little bit of point guard duties as well so um i i think as many starters we can have on the court at a time is ideal uh, we do not ever need to have four or five bench players on the court at one time because the firepower, the offensive firepower isn't there. The defense is fine. They're going to be, you know, kind of a with Kyle Anderson and Ty Jones, an older vet group. But those guys, you know, they know their role and they, they stick to it. So um, I, I like that. I thought that was something important that people need to hear. So um, let's go ahead and uh, get into a, a, a thought I had. And I want to just talk about this just because I think it's uh, pretty important. But 
Uh, I know that last game, and, and I'll give you the the numbers. So the first game, this is about Jaron. Okay, it's your guy, Ryan. First game, Jaron has 13 points, right? Okay, two assists, nothing crazy. The second game, he had a little bit better of a game. I don't know if I, his numbers almost tell me he played better than really what he did. 21 points and seven rebounds, but no assists. And I know I made the comment to you, Ryan, and this might be really not Grizzly Grizz Nation friendly, <laughs> but I, I said this and it and it really I don't want to include Steven Adams too much because we know what Steven Adams does, right? He is the guy who is just going to get the extra putback points. He'll be the guy you dump off to if, if people crash onto a drive. And he'll facilitate, help facilitate the offense. Can we agree on that with Steven Adams? Yes. Okay. He is what he is. I, I'm leaving him out of it because I don't think that's fair. But my my comment was that Jaron Jackson Jr. is our, the easiest starter to guard or play against at, as a the other team defensively. He's the easiest to guard. And the reason I make that statement is because he doesn't have any post moves whatsoever. He does not have a mid-range game whatsoever. His three-point shot is if it's a kick out and he in the as there's a loose ball, it's a kick out to him, he's wide open, he's going to pull. So you can't defend that. That's just out of place, whatever. But if you're standing there guarding him, he won't pull up in your eye. He won't. And if if he drives, He's really just trying to get to the basket. There's no really certain moves. He might do a crossover and he might do a spin move, but that's the that's the max amount that he is going to offer. He's not quick. He's just long. So if you have a player similar length, such as like Evan Mobley, who held him to 13 points, I believe that he is an easy player to guard. And I want your thoughts and, and tell me why I'm wrong. Because I, as of right now, I, I just think that offensively he, he doesn't give us much unless he's hitting those open three-pointers um i so i'm right i think i think the biggest case <laughs> look i just can't do it on command all right let me just uh throw stuff at me um I think a lot of it is i've expressed this to you before before this season for sure is that He's 21, um, and he's had kind of a tumultuous start to his career. Uh, plays, I think, almost 80 or a full 82-game season as a rookie where he physically dominated other people in the post, and then he starts to develop an outside shot, and he's starting to try to become a good help side defender, and he fouls out a lot. Um so the difference to me is age because you can tell he's trying like you're, you're not getting a 21 year old guy who isn't trying. Like he's just going through emotion. Like he does dumb stuff still because he's 21. Like last night in the game against the Clippers, he had, I think it was Eric Bledsoe or someone or Reggie Jackson. It was Reggie Jackson had him in ISO and is for some reason like trying to strip him while Reggie Jackson's dribbling. Like one, you're not going to get it. And two, you're nine inches taller than Reggie Jackson. Right. Just make him shoot over you. 
Um, and he just does those kind of things where you're like, what are you doing? Like, where's the thought process? So to me, it's, I don't want to call him an immature person, but he's an immature player. That's okay. Um, that which which is fine for a guy who started out six nine who is believed to be seven one now <laughs> for a guy who's still maturing into his body like he is obviously bigger this year his arms are bigger his shoulders are bigger he looks more barrel chested like you can tell he's been working so the body is coming his mentality is not there yet okay so he's trying to post last night and he does make moves. They're just not fluid or finished yet consistently. Right. Now, he does have that one instance where he reads that the defender is fronting him in the post, which was like Marcus Morris or something like that. And he directs Brandon Clark to go high post and throw him a lob. Like that is the spatial stuff that I'm looking for with Jaron. You don't right. need a move for that. That's just recognizing a mismatch and telling your teammate what to do. Um, and he did have that one where he went to dribble handoff, he split it, he kept the drive, and he dunked baseline. Yeah. That is a move. I'm that, not yeah. expecting I'm not expecting him to be flashy. He's never going to be because I think his arms are too long for that. Like he's not gonna be the one to get a defensive rebound, go the length of the floor, distribute, make a move, score. Like he's not Nikola Jokic. He's just <laughs> not. Jokic understands the game at a pace that no one really understands the game at. And that's what makes Jokic great. Triple J is not on that level yet, procedural wise. He does not process that stuff all the way. He he shows flashes, like with the Brandon Clark guy fronting him. But the situational stuff is just not all the way there yet. So I give him a pass because he is 21. Because that's the thing, like Stephen Adams at 21 wasn't doing that. He was just a brute enforcer and rebounding for for Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Now that Stephen Adams is 28, he's turned into a guy who knows what to do on the pin downs, handoffs, hitting back cut back cutters, um, backdoor cut guys, and he he's smart about it. There is a consistent um, no rush. Right feel to steven adams and it can feel like he's being lazy but he's a veteran he is a seasoned vet who has seen it all that understands the situation that is where jaron jackson needs to go when that gets there i think the quote unquote he doesn't have moves will be uh a non-factor okay because he has moves they're just not polished and finished yet and that might be because of the past tumultuous year or two of barely playing, right? He's working on them individually. You know he is. You can see his body and his growth. It's the actual in-game finish of them. So, and yeah, you can nitpick like on his posts up, he's probably too upright and he bends over instead of squatting and putting his butt into the guy. But that's just stuff I think with time. So yeah. does he look great one-on-one now? No, but he's probably not projected to be a great one-on-one guy ever. And just the way the NBA is played now, you either want a guy who's going to roll and dunk a lob, or he's going to sit around the perimeter and knock down a three, which triple J is a ton of talent. And I think can add to that. Um, So he's not Jared Allen. 
He can at right, least right. Do, he can do something with the ball besides just dunk, weak side block. Um, but he can actually shoot it too at a very high clip, almost forty percent that we're going to see this year. So, I think okay. it's a little bit misleading because he's just not there yet. So it can look rough, and it's going to be, but that takes time. Okay, well that's fair. Um, so yeah, I I just think that there is you know more that he should bring to his repertoire, such as you know, in my opinion, having a post game you only need really two moves and that's really you know one left and then one right like however you want to how at whatever move you want to have and and this is speaking literally from experience i was not a very good basketball player i can't shoot i'm <laughs> terrible like i will i'm a baseball guy who knows the game of basketball very much through and through and i learned Two post, two post moves. And I just feel like you can be the master at those. And I think that's sub, something small that a quick, you know, if he does catch into the post, I'm, I'm asking maybe five post, you know, catches a game. I'm talking about five. I'm not talking about a lot. What that does is it changes the defense, gives them a different look. Um, and I think sometimes if you can change the way a defense guards you, it helps out your other players as well as maybe get you an easy score, right? Well, that's that's 10 points in a game. Yeah, to add on to that, it's not just the post-up, it's the speed of the post-up. Sure, because sure. the post-up now is the least efficient play on offense. Right. This is the Kevin, this is the Chris Stapps Porzingis problem. Is Chris Stapps Porzingis wants to post up, but when he catches it, he has to front and he has to take three seconds to see what's going on before he does something. It's already a terrible play if he does that. Yeah. If he just catches it and knows what he's going to do immediately, it's right. a much better offensive possession. Correct. But that's that's the Porzingis problem. And that's the problem with post-ups. Most of them is they yeah. are very inefficient because post players need time to do their thing, right? Exactly. They take, they take two dribbles. They're going to power dip into you with their shoulder <laughs> and then they finish. It's about the speed of it. So if Jaron Jackson yeah. knows, and if I catch the ball at this spot, I can do this or this. Yep. It has to process quickly. So he goes straight into that move, not catch like Carmelo Anthony. Right. Yeah. Catch mid-range. I'm going to full pivot face up, and then I'm going to do something. All right. So right. it can't be a five-second post possession. It's terrible offense now. It has yeah. to be a quick catch and go draw defense either score dunk on a guy finish over him um don't make it complicated or you draw someone and kick like it has to be fast it has to be under three seconds in a post-up nowadays or it's inefficient i agree yeah and i'm glad you brought that point up like my favorite is the quick like what what i would love for him to do is if he's going to drop baseline whichever side he's on go to just a quick drop step spin and you can and he could dunk it from there or somebody's probably coming into the lane or that weak side defender is probably coming over to help. He's so tall. He could dish out to an open three on the other side of the defense, the weak side of the defense. So, um, and if he went the other way into the lane, quick drop step, and he's going to a hook or just a quick, you know, bunny shot, right? Something easy. So I'm not, I'm not asking him to have, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon type stuff. I'm not asking for that. So I'm glad you brought that up (laughs) because it's not that he's not going to be that. But no. I, I want him to do that. But also, 
what could develop out of that is then he catches the ball fronts and pops it in their eye. Because guess what? If he ever starts getting that little bit, you know, mid-range shot off of a quick, he pump fakes and goes right around. You're not stopping Jaron from getting to the front of the rim if if you are biting on a pump fake. It's just it, little things like that, those little bitty, you know, possessions, it adds up to 10 points. It adds up to 12 points. And then when he's hitting those threes, that's when you get your tw- average in 20 points a game because those threes are going to be wide open because he's – He's developing more of his offense. So that's what I yeah. what what I mean. Yeah, like he should only post up on the right side of the lane. <laughs> like sure. that he should never post up on the left side. So he's, you know, power dribbling in with his left and turning and shooting his left. He should right. always be turning over his left shoulder, finishing with the right. So yeah. that that's what he should be doing. He he that's the only thing he should work on in the post is that right there. And maybe, a you know, a step back, but that's right. in the future. I don't think he can do that now functionally. Right. Um, but if he just had that turnover, his left shoulder, one power dribble go up, no one's going to block it. No. And if he, if he got really good at that, he's almost um, impossible stopping that low block, even if he only five or six possessions a game. Yeah. I agree. And so I didn't want to harp on that too much. Um, I want to get into a little bit of Steven Adams and we'll hit on that next week. Cause I think I want to dive into that, but so far very quick before we hit on, you know, the, the next two next, next couple of matchups, and then we'll give our some best bets or some trends that we're seeing one little thing on Steven Adams, um, his, his assists as of right now, we, we, we just passed halftime at, at the Lakers game. But he's had a game of uh, three assists and a game of five assists. He's averaging four. He's already got four assists in this game. That's a best bet. You're welcome. <laughs> but he uh, he already has four assists in this game. He's averaging four overall. So how does that assist help? And how does it differ in compared to what JV was giving us offensively? Yeah, so I said this before the, even the season started that people are going to be surprised by his passing ability around the wing. Like it's going to completely change the Grizzlies, like what they can do on offense because it opens things up to have a guy who has the touch to not only give you a dribble handoff, which is the only thing that Jonas Valanciunas could do was screen on ball and give a dribble handoff. Now you have misdirection read and react plays where you can have a double stagger down where Steven Adams is dribbling over Melton screening down for Bain. Bain can read what his man is doing and he can cut back door and Adams can make that pass. That didn't, couldn't happen last year with JV. Uh, So it opens things up. Creativity, creativity, creativity. I cannot say that word right now. (laughs) Creatively. There we go. go. All right. Sorry. It's late. And I've got the, uh, you know, the old sinus fogging up my brain a little bit. Um, (laughs) That's what they call it now. (laughs) (laughs) Go see Juarez on South Street. nineteenth. No, it opens things up creatively for the offense to read and react offense, which I think is where the Grizzlies, that's what they want to play. Uh, Because Jenkins is a big time. He has basically stolen everything the Milwaukee Bucks have done and brought it over to the Grizzlies, right? Like if you watch the Grizzlies on defense so far, first two games, 
everything driven baseline. Weak side helps. The top guy on the weak side is sprinting to that guy in the opposite corner to not give up that corner three, which is a Bucks thing, right? No layups, no corner threes. Um, and they will give up threes, but they don't want to give up corner or, or actually, I'm sorry, the Bucks do give up more corner threes if I remember that right. The Grizzlies yeah. are letting you shoot above the key, free throw line and above. They right. don't want to give up the corner. Um, but you can shoot everything you want in the middle or the wings from three. And so the Bucks' offense is that read and react style. Their sets mixed in, right? Which typically for the Grizzlies usually bog down. <laughs> but yeah. motion, read and react, it's motion, read and react. Like it yeah. should not bog down. Um, so that opens up that little subtlety of his ability to make those touch passes. And that completely opens up a different section of the offense that we have not seen yet. And that's just because of the limitations of Jonas Valanciunas, right? Right. Um, and it's just the passing touch, the amazing things that it can do for an offense when you have a big man who can do that. Yeah. Um, now, I'm interested how teams are going to adjust coming up, especially with the schedule coming up, the Blazers, Warriors, and the Heat next week. I mean, he's about to go up against at least two really good defensive centers. We'll see who's playing with the Lakers. We assume it's um, Nurkic who's competent. I'll be curious to see if teams are picking up on this and extremely drop off Adams um, or if they're continued to play closer to him. So that's the thing I'm going to notice is if there's an extreme drop off to Adams, because Adams is no threat to shoot anything outside of four feet. At least JV would have shot from there. Um, so we'll, right. I, I'll be interested to see how that affects us going into the week um, or if we just have a pure shooting regression anyways because we've started out pretty hot the first couple games. Yeah, so a little bit about that. Like, you know, they are, you know, they, they're playing the Lakers now and and he has um, sometimes it's AD Gardner, but for the most part it's been Dwight Howard or um, – the DeAndre. DeAndre, yeah. So uh, yeah, yep, John Jordan. So um they have definitely backed off of him a little. And what that is is they'll fall into the paint. Like they'll guard him instantly, like as he's around the free throw line when he has the ball. But if for some reason that he passes us off, they usually drop real quick. So that's how they're guarding, which then makes it harder for Ja. Because if he is getting to the lane, he does have that, you know, center defender there waiting for him. But it's just a quick dish off. Because then you have Steven Adams coming down from the from the free throw line straight to the front of the rim. So they're learning that, yes, you can drop your guy, but Ja is going to go up. And if for some reason you settle and you come over to help, he can dish it off quickly to Steven Adams. So that's what he's doing now currently in the Lakers game. Uh, but as you said, they do have the Blazers coming up as well as the Warriors. And so it will be uh, a Monday uh, game that they have. Uh, I'm sorry. That is that is wrong. It's Wednesday. That is, that is, yeah. uh, that is the Clippers <laughs> and the Trailblazers I'm looking at. The Grizzlies and the Blazers play Wednesday the 27th. And then on the back-to-back after that, then they have the Warriors. So let's talk a little bit about that Portland game. Portland is one and one as we speak. Uh, they did take a loss to the Warriors, and then, um, man, I'm a, I'm a complete idiot. They lost to the Blazers. I'm all over the place. 
I'm looking at preseason games. I apologize, but they <laughs> lost to the Kings 124 121. And then they turned around and beat the Suns. The Suns were on a back to back. They just got done with the Lakers. They beat the Lakers. Then they came to the Blazers and the Blazers, uh, they Blew beat them out. by <laughs> 29 points, right? So very tough to, to look at those back-to-backs because we don't know. It's very early in the season. Nobody really knows each other as of now. So I, I want to give a little bit of that win. You know, it, it's a little bit on that back-to-back. What is your matchup or your thoughts on the matchup for the Blazers and the Grizzlies coming up on Wednesday? Uh, so for me with both of these teams – like the Grizzlies shouldn't have a problem scoring on the Blazers. The Warriors are an actual good defensive team, but everyone focuses in on Dame, the stars, Dame and Steph, right? And historically, CJ McCollum has destroyed the Grizzlies. And if I recall correctly, Andrew Wiggins had good games last year against the Grizzlies as Correct. well. Um, so to me, yes, you've got the stars. Um, and this is a D'Anthony Melton problem until Dylan Brooks comes back. Like he's going to guard the best player and Paul George absolutely lit him up because <laughs> he's just not tall enough to guard against PG. Right. Uh, but now he's it, like, it's just a tough start for D'Anthony Melton because he's going to get roasted every game and it's just nothing he can do about it. Right. He's about to play three world-class scores. Um it's about the other guys for me on both of these teams is if you have good besides the stars, like the stars can go off for 40 if they want, but if everyone else is relatively held in check, especially for the Blazers and the Warriors who are motion, um, read and react. And especially for the Warriors like to shoot threes guys like Jordan Poole coming off the bench. Um, like you're going to be in the game. So yeah. I think you have to manage everybody else, which is why it's so hard for the Grizzlies against CJ McCollum <laughs> yeah. because he is like Dame Jr., uh, Dame Light, and he can just go get his own bucket just like Dame can. And the Grizzlies, you know, typically past Dylan didn't have another guy who could guard an individual like that. So now you've got no Dylan. So are you running the risk of Dame and CJ going off as well as the other guys, because you're having to give all your attention to Dame and CJ. Those are the things I'm looking for. And the same kind of thing with the Warriors is, are you paying so much attention to Steph and Wiggins that you ignore the other guys and Juan Toscano Anderson goes off on you? Um, so it, it's about keeping in check guys four through seven in these games for me. And we'll see. Um, I could see them splitting these. The Warriors are starting out strong, which I said on our free basketball podcast is a team that, that I would look for to start strong in the Warriors. And But this is a good spot for them, I think, especially if the Warriors win again tomorrow or day after whatever it is against the Blazers. Um, like, it's a letdown spot if they're 3 or 4 no heading into – playing the Grizzlies at home. So uh, I'm interested by both of those matchups. It's a rough week. The Heat, right. however, the Heat is pretty straightforward, and this is a team that is physical, that's veteran. They're going to beat you up. They want to play defense. They don't want to let you get up and down. But they also have guys that can shoot you out of the gym, uh, like Mitchell Robinson and um, 
Tyler Harrow, who's having a star a strong start to the season. Is he six uh, man of the year? Uh I haven't looked at stats, but he's had a good start. Um, he definitely looks more focused this year and ready, but I would assume he's just starting off hot, hot and he'll trail off soon enough. Um, right. Kind of like D'Anthony Melton starting a season almost shooting 60% from three. That's like crazy, That's not, that's not going to last forever. He's a career 31% three-point shooter. Like That's yeah. not going to last forever. Um, that's why I need Dylan back. But the Heat, I think, is a pretty straightforward game. I would expect it to be pretty ugly. And trying to keep the Grizzlies from getting up and down, and they're going to need to get up and down in this game because it's going to be um, hard for points to come by in half court against this Heat team. So rough yeah. week. I think we're going to find out very early, especially if we start this week, uh, the season out 2-1 and one or even 3-0. and oh. um, Next week, I think, will be pretty telling, even though it will – I think it's still without Brooks, right? Dylan's about for a couple more weeks, isn't he? Uh, at least another week. He's he's out this next week, I believe. Uh, they said two weeks initially, so I'd imagine uh, both of these weeks he's out. They're they're not trying to rush him back this early in the season. Yeah. Um, so we will talk a little bit more about the Heat, um, and that'll be on that Friday podcast. I'm not sure if Ryan will be joining me or not. Depends on his schedule. Uh, at, at this rate, I will be doing one. Uh, it'll be coming out on Friday at some point. Uh, so just kind of stay tuned for that, hearing about them a little bit more. Uh, but but you want to go ahead and give your thoughts completely on your prediction for these games. Do you see it one and two, two and one? It's not an zero oh and three week, right? No, I don't think it's an zero oh and three week but there is a strong suggestion that could be a hard regression for the three points shooting that they've, the way they've started. Um, But I I think at the beginning of the week, that back-to-back it's either they kind of glide through the Blazers game or they go all out in the Blazers game and then glide through the Warriors game. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So I could see them winning one of those two and the other one being a like they get trounced it's possibility uh because there's just an there is a regression game coming and it's going to be severe from the three-point line um and then yeah i would say they split one and one on that one and the heat is just that one's kind of a wait and see i feel good about that one because i don't think the heat are quite there yet but I think we match up pretty well. So I could see them going two and one, but I'm going to say one and two just because of the regression factor from three-point line. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction as well, and I'll I'll talk a little bit more about that heat matchup and break down uh, these uh, the Blazers and the Warriors game. But I think that the Grizzlies match up really well with this Blazers team. I I just – I do. I just feel good about – them in the matches because I think that Nurkic, uh, I, I don't think he's back to where he was in the past, uh, before, you know, the bubble, when he was, you know, you know, bubble Nurkic, he, he played his butt off during that time. Uh, and they needed it to get to where they were. Uh, but I just, I just think that Steven Adams is the guy that kind of keeps that at bay. And that could be really a, a good game for, you know, Jaron because power forwards have played really well against the Blazers. And they don't really match up well, you know, to bigs. You know, the Dame and CJ are uh, they play very well, 
Uh, but that could be a, a John Morant game where he can get into the paint more with that team. So I think that coming off these three games, uh, whether, you know, two and one or three, and zero, they feel good going into that Blazers game. They're still going to be out uh, West. They're not, I don't think they're going to travel back and forth for just those two days. So I think it'll get them a chance being young guys to really have a lot of fun and be together. And I think that's really what gets the, the job done there. I could see them losing to the Lakers. I mean, sorry, losing to the Warriors. Uh, they are probably a little bit more athletic. If not, they're they're a little older. They have Steph Curry. That's really what it comes down to. And they're playing at the Warriors. Tough place to win at. So, overall, I give that a split. Coming back home against the Heat, I'm going to give them a win. So, I, I just I like that spot. And the reason is, the Heat are on a back-to-back. The Heat are at home. They have a game against the Hornets. Then they had to travel up to Memphis to play the Grizzlies. We have them on a back-to-back, so I'm going to go ahead and give them a win to round out that week. So, like I said, we'll talk more about that later, but I have them 2-1 and one, just as I had this week 2-1. and one. So, we'll see who is right about that. Uh, in the end, we all know the answer, right? Right. <laughs> I'm right. I'm the answer. Um, speaking of the answer, go check out last week's podcast on the lead sports podcast network, where I had Alan Iverson as one of my top 10 point guards of all time, even though he never played the position, but good. He was a point guard, Ryan, get out of here. (laughs) Get out of here. All right, Ryan, I know we do some betting and I know that you're good at losing money. Don't listen to Ryan, but he's going to give you some best bets or trends that he likes. And if he says anything about an under, just turn off the podcast. (laughs) Well, we have zero lines out now for these games. And I don't even know if there's a potential look ahead line. And if there is, if there is, I have not seen a look ahead line, Um, but I'm not talking about over-unders in this Blazers-Grizzlies game because I think that the Grizzlies are – this is the game the Grizzlies are going to go for. I think this is a game for props. Um, Over over three-pointers, Jaws assists line, which I mentioned in the first pod, was average last year, averaged 7.4 assists per game. And in the very first game against the Cavaliers, they had it squarely at 7.5. And the under hit at six. Uh, So next game, it was six and a half. And I think he had eight or something like that, seven or eight. Uh, Is that eight? Is that that a new one? It's a guess. It's a guess. (laughs) Like, I get credit for both if I combine the words. Um. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of like the 76ers like what kind of mascot is that uh, <laughs> but i would be interested in his assist numbers for that blazers game if it's going to be high scoring i assume the number is going to be higher um so if it's at like seven and a half or eight and a half i actually like the under because i could see him just dominating because nobody on the blazers like they're going to try to play defense like that's why chauncey Billups is there they just yeah. aren't playing defense yet um and so it's not like Nurkic is going to keep jaw out of the lane so i think jaw could be super attacking and not um 
so if it's number seven and a half or higher, I, I would consider the under. I would assume there would be uh vig to the under anyways. But if it's six and a half, I don't know. It's right in the middle. But I don't have an exact number that I love. I would assume since the Blazers, that's a home game for the Blazers, correct? Uh, yes. It's still a road trip. I would assume correct. the Blazers would be favored by two or three just because of the home factor. It might be even one and a half based on what the mm. outcome is of this Lakers game, because the Lakers are getting a ton of respect yeah. somehow um, with their slow start. So if it's one and a half, two and a half favorites of the Blazers, I think I would just take Grizzlies money line. Wow. And it's probably going to be 120 to 140. It's not going to be sexy. Um, yeah. And you could grab the couple points if you want to, but that's what I would do because I think they will go all out for it with two days off against the Blazers. Wow. Yeah. I don't, and I think they don't like the Blazers. Like it feels like kind of like a rivalry between them a little bit from in the bubble and stuff from what yeah. feels like three years ago, which was actually like 36 months ago. <laughs> oh, wait, that is three years ago. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was like 18 months ago. <laughs> Yeah, it, it feels yeah, it feels like it's forever ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. But uh yeah, so I, I like that. And I think that that line probably is like a you know minus three and a half to the Blazers just because, you know, you know, it, it, we're playing the Blazers. People give them much more respect than the Grizzlies. No matter if they're three and oh, two and one, they're still gonna be favored. The Blazers will be favored in that game. There's no way they would favor the Grizzlies. So I do like your play on the money line, no matter what it is. The, the play is the money line because I think that is a, a win because that number should be small. But if it does creep up there like it did in this Lakers where it's a, a five, you know, or even a six game or six point spread, uh, then maybe take the points in. Uh, but something I, I, I want to share that, I, that I've been doing, been looking at lately, my number one play that I probably love the most is Steven Adams uh, assist. Um, he has he is averaging four, as I talked about earlier. You can find his assist line uh, in a couple of places, but the place I like is BetMGM. Uh, tonight, I had him at over two and a half assists at plus 145. That's, a, that's, that's an easy win. He had uh, four assists. I think it was midway through the third quarter or right at halftime, uh, whenever that was. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty quick win. Uh, and another one I like is Steven Adams over 19 and a half uh, points, assists, rebounds. He's hit three of three games. It started at 17 and a half, then went 18 and a half, then went now 19 and a half. I don't know where his the ceiling is, but he's he's averaging like 25 to 30 right around that area where he's hitting at you know for the for his uh, points, assists, and rebounds. So combine them all it's well over 19 and a half guys so hit it while you can people don't respect that because they're going off of the past the you know the past when he was with uh the pelicans they were not good and they were not using him the same way eric bledsoe was on his team boo boo bledsoe (laughs) like they're using him much better in memphis he's able to score not really being the focus he's just getting the the putbacks well he's playing with actual nba players shot fired (laughs) wow that's for you michael sumner (laughs) old shooms he got my draft pick 
screw him. He got my draft yeah. pick. But screw I will you, have... Trey Murphy. You suck. <laughs> uh, and the other one I like, um, I've been on uh, D'Anthony Melton, and he's played well. He's played great. But what the other one I like as well that hasn't jumped up so high is Desmond Bain. Bain's playing much more minutes. They're going off of past performance usually. His number is around 17 and a half or 18 and a half uh, over under. Uh, if you're going to take him uh, for the points, assists, rebounds, he's already hit that. He hit that by halftime, I believe, in this game. It's, it's crazy, but the lines on a small market team don't skyrocket on player props. So if you're a Memphis fan, if you like to bet, take them early because they will adjust and then they'll have the regression to the mean like later on because that's what players do. You have to find out when the numbers are right. At these two players, Adams and even uh, Adams, Melton, and Bain, if they're under 21, take the over. Points, assists, rebounds, because they're going to get their 10 to 12 points a game. They're going to get you know a combination of eight to nine rebounds and assists. Like that's what they're doing right now, guys. So make sure you pay attention to that. They're 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 having a, a lot of fun playing together, and I'm having a lot of fun winning money. You know, if they're gonna win and be good, why can't we win and be good? So that's all we have this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We went a little longer than I expected to. Uh, and so make sure you go check out our podcast on the Leeds Podcast Network. It is coming out the same day on Monday. And we should have a fun, fun show. Ryan, anything else you have before we get out of here? I don't. Go take some, uh, I don't know what I'm going to take. And go to bed. Oh, old stuffy over there. we got to get him cleaned out. <laughs> all right, that's all we got. Y'all have a great week. Thank you for listening. Be nice and tell your friends. <laughs>